I know now why Drew decided to only do it for three weeks because we've been into it for several, several years if we stayed in it and did it, went through all of them. So today's just a little bit of a taste and I'm excited for starting it off. But first, will you join me uh, in a word of prayer? Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done this morning in our hearts and minds. Feed and nourish us today through your word. By the power of your spirit, draw us close to you. Father, reconcile us to you so we can have ears to hear and eyes to see you. Forgive me and forgive us, Father, for our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For you own all of creation and you're making all things new. Because you are in charge of this story and you're matchless in power and you are now and will be glorified in all the earth. Amen. 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 If you have your Bibles with you this morning, will you begin to wake, make your way to Psalm 1? And while you're doing that, I have some interesting things to share with you about the book of Psalms that I got from somebody else uh, reading other things, <laughs> reference materials. <laughs> Uh, The Hebrew title for this book is Praise, or the Book of Praises, which explains the main contents of this book are praise, prayer, and worship. The name Psalms comes from the Greek, and the early Christian fathers called it the Psalter, P-S-A-L-T-E-R. And the only reason you're going to need to know that is if you play Jeopardy, (laughs) right? That's like, if you take Bible for a thousand, that's probably the question, Um, The book of Psalms has 150 poems to be set to music uh, for worship. The psalm's central idea is to magnify and praise the Lord, exalt his qualities, his names, his word, his goodness, so that every human experience is related to him. In this, we see the life of the believer, disciple, and child of God pictured in all of its experiences of joy and sorrow victory, and failure. The Psalms are full of Jesus and describe much about his work, person, purpose, death, and resurrection. And actually, Jesus references the book of Psalms himself in Luke 24, 44, where he said, I don't know if it's going to come up behind me or not, but it's supposed to. But he said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. The Psalms can also be broken down by author. David, Moses, Solomon, Asaph. Does anyone know who Asaph is? He was David's choir director, basically. Yeah. And the sons of Korah and Jedithan, whom David appointed as musicians. Uh, Those are just to name a few. Or they can be broken down, the Psalms can be broken down by subject, prophecy, history, aspiration, distress, trust, penitence. Who knows what the word penitence means? I remember it from Raiders of the Lost Ark. (laughs) Remember his dad, when they were going through it, only the penitent one will pass. You had to kneel down or the blade sliced your head off. (laughs) Um, 
for you, for you movie people, but basically repentance. It also talks about thanksgiving, praise, and finally, instruction, which brings us to Psalm 1, which is a psalm of instruction. So if you got your Bibles, follow along with me. I'm, gonna, I'm going old school here just because I, I read this in several translations, and this one just got me. So I'm reading from the King James. It says this, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. I, after I found out I was sharing this one, I was like, dang. That's, that's a t- it's a tough one. But in my opinion, the author of the psalm shows us the difference between two different types of people, the blessed and the ungodly. Which, which one are we? I appreciate, I appreciate the way the author of this psalm describes how we live by using everyday actions like walking, standing, sitting, Meditating, even though I don't call it meditating, I would probably call it reading or something. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I also was extremely convicted as I thought through these verses and examined my own life in these areas. And I was also convicted for us as a church. Immediately, these questions came to mind Are there ways in our life and family and in the church? that we are walking in the counsel of the ungodly. And just so you know, the def, kind of a rough definition of the ungodly, it's, it's those who don't believe in or acknowledge God and who he is, those considered to be his law, an old, an old religious thing. To, they're the type of people who justify moral f- justify their lives by being morally flexible. In fact, I saw a guy in the airport last week, I think it was in Burbank, he had this shirt that said flexible, and it was a black shirt, white block letters, flexible, and then underneath it, morally. And I was like, wow, what a statement, right? Are there ways in our life, family, and in our church that we are, that we're standing on or standing in that represent the way of sinners. Someone who lives to gratify themselves, lives for the interest of their own families, is constantly looking for their own gain, not recognizing God's authority in this world and, and a coming judgment. Psalms are filled with these. 
Are there ways in our life and family and in our community, in our church community, that we have taken the seat of the scornful and we've run our mouth, made judgments, called out problems, been critical with no intention of being a part of a solution, just judging from afar? When confronted with these questions and after reviewing my own life and family and our church, I'm guilty on all accounts. Friends, I'm, I'm gonna take a long shot here and I bet we're all guilty on some level of these things. We walk in the counsel of the ungodly every day Look at the culture we live in. We cave to peer pressure. The things we tune into, whether it be new, it can be something like news, the news networks. It can be the movies we watch, sitcoms or rom-coms, which I, for some of you older folks, that's romantic comedies. Yeah, it's no problem. I'm trying to be relevant with the young people. <laughs> or, or by the things we follow and post on social media. By the money and time we invest in our hobbies, vehicles, and our homes. We are standing in a culture that has kept us so focused on ourselves and our own story that we have forgotten that this is God's story. And we have sat down on a lifestyle that doesn't reflect the law of the Lord. Which means, when you see in the Bible, L, capital O, capital R, capital D, it means the self-existent one, the eternal one. There's nobody higher than him. His law are we following it? And his law, which, you know, and his law, by the way, it reveals to us his story. It shows us who he is. Friends, it matters to God how we think and act toward him and our families, our neighbors, and our community. He has a plan and a purpose for our lives to show the whole world who he is. King David who God said was a man after his own heart, does a wonderful job of describing how one might feel if, or feels if he shares the heart of a holy God in Psalm 101. Read along with me. Oh yeah, nice work back there. I will sing of your love and justice. To you, Lord, I will sing praise. I will be careful to lead a blameless life when will you come to me? I will conduct the affairs of my house with a blameless heart. I will not look with approval on anything that is vile. I hate what faithless people do. I will have no part of it. The perverse of heart shall be far from me. I will have nothing to do with what is evil. Whoever slanders their neighbor in secret, I will put to silence. Whoever has haunty eyes and a proud heart, I will not tolerate. My eyes will be on the faithful in the land, that they may dwell with me. The one whose walk is blameless will minister to me. 
No one who practices deceit will dwell in my house. No one who speaks falsely will stand in my presence. Every morning I will put to silence all the wicked in the land, and I will cut off every evildoer from the city of the Lord, the eternal one. Psalm 101. I don't know about you guys, but after reading this and comparing my heart to David's, I, all I could do was ask for forgiveness. That's all I could do. As I said moments ago, David was considered by God to be a man after his own heart. Not because he lived a perfect, blameless life, but because David had a reverent relationship with God. He had been talking to God since he was a kid and discovering who God was. You can, you can, read, it. You can read about it in your Bible, his whole journey. David believed that God loved him and his people, Israel, and was committed to walking with David and helping him accomplish the purpose he was created for. So when David sinned, he asked for forgiveness and humbled himself before the Lord, the eternal one. We get a picture of this in Psalm 51, verses 16 and 17. You do not delight in sacrifice, David says, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, God, you will not despise. We can't work our way out of, we can't work our way out of this stuff. We can't. There's nothing we can do except for to fall on the grace of God. Just like David, in order to keep our hearts after God's own heart, we have to know him, talk to him, ask for help, and follow his lead. That's what the author of Psalm 1 describes in the second verse, how the blessed are able to watch how they walk, where they stand, and sit. Let's read it again. Verse 2, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. If we're honest, friends, we have moved away from the words of God. If we did an assessment of our time, and I, at least for me, this is my experience, if I did an assessment of my time and where I spend it all, in the areas and the percentages, it wouldn't take us long to discover that our time seeking God and what he requires of us is minimal. Is it any wonder then that we struggle in the way that we are walking out our lives? Is it any wonder then how easy we get sucked into the counsel of the ungodly? We, we can't decipher between the two because we don't know. Or we end up standing in the way, of, in the way sinners do or sit in judgment of others as we exalt ourselves as better than them. My prayer for us today is that we would examine our ways, repent of our sin, meditate on getting to know God through his word day and night, that our lives would change from being ungodly to blessed, that we would take hold of this, the psalmist's promise. 
The psalmist goes on to give us a picture of what that looks like. This is the, this is the, the fun part. And he shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water that bringeth forth its fruit in season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he do, doeth shall prosper. This is an amazing picture. I want to be a tree after this. Especially when you consider at the beginning of God's story in the Garden of Eden, he, God had planted trees in, a, in, in the presence of multitude, a multitude of rivers of water that were healthy and flourishing and doing what God designed them to do, sharing in the presence and glory of God, the original design. Imagine yourself as a healthy tree, bearing your fruit in season, being protected by God internally by the Spirit so your leaves don't wither. Regardless of the situation, whether, it, whether you're, in, you're in a hot summer or a cold winter or anything in between, God's Spirit sustains you internally and your leaf doesn't wither. And in the end, you'll be eternally prosperous because you get to be with him in glory forever. Let's take a look at the ungodly. Verse four, the ungodly are not so, but are like chaff, which the wind driveth away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked shall perish. Friends, know this. God is serious about this stuff. There is a time of judgment coming. It's so easy to forget about this as, as children of God, living in his grace and his love and his mercy. It's so easy to forget this. Our sight is dominated by what we see happening around us. We forget, unless we're really spending the time, like the psalmist says in the word, and even then, I think we still forget because we're, we're sinners in this tent, right? And we're working it out. That's part of the journey. We forget where the story ends and the fruit we are to bear to show others how much God loves them. That is our purpose. That, is, that informs how we walk out our daily lives. There's a time frame at work, and we need to be mindful of it daily. God is going to glorify his name on this earth, whether we choose to participate in it with him or not. We see an example of this in Ezekiel 36, 16 through 23, and if you read along with me. Again, the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, when the people of Israel were living in their own land, they defiled it by their conduct and their actions. So I poured out my wrath on them because they had shed blood in the land and because they had defiled it with their idols. Think about the idols you and I have in our life. 19, I dispersed them among the nations and they were scattered through the countries. 
I judge them according to their conduct and their actions. Again, God cares about how we live. And 20, wherever they went among the nations, they profaned my holy name by how they lived. That's not in there, but that's, that's John. That's, that's my, what I put in there. That's my interpretation. For, for it was said of them, this is, this was, for it was said of them by the nations, these are the Lord's people, and yet they had to leave his land. I had concern for my holy name, which the, which the people of Israel profaned among the nations where they had gone. Verse 22, therefore say to the Israelites, this is what the sovereign Lord says. It is not for your sake, people of Israel, that I'm going to do these things, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations where you have gone. I will show the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, the name you have profaned among them. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the sovereign Lord, when I am proved holy through you before their eyes. Do you think God is concerned about his name? <laughs> Friends, do you realize that we will one day stand before God and be held accountable for every thought and action? In that moment, you won't be able to say, I didn't know. Because God is just and good, and he's been making his appeal throughout since time. <laughs> from cover to cover, but he's been making his appeal. He even made his appeal in everything that he's made. In Romans 1, 18 through 20, it says, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godless, godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since, since, that we, since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. It ain't gonna work. I'd like to ask the worship team to head on up. Maybe it's been a while since you remembered who God is and what he is ultimately doing in this world. Maybe you forgot that as one of his children, how you live your life matters to God and that it should show people who he is. Maybe this is the first time you've ever heard this and you wanna know more. Psalm one isn't the first appeal God has made to us. We talked about it in creation. You'll see it from, from cover to cover in your Bible. He wants to meet you there and reveal himself to you. You just need to make time for him. Or maybe you're thinking, this is all good, this is all good for you, John, but I have a hard time believing any of this. I would, I would say, before you, before you go all in on that, which God clearly says will lead to your destruction, 
I would beg you to take some time to look into this further. Regardless of where you find yourself this morning, I'm convinced the first place we should start is humbling ourselves before a holy God and asking for forgiveness for the ways we've been walking in the counsel of the ungodly and the things we've been standing in as sinners and where we sat down and run our mouth in judgment. Can you take just a moment before the Lord and do that work? Father, forgive us. Forgive us for the things that, that you've brought to our mind this morning in, in ways that, that we've walked in the counsel of the ungodly and, and we've stood as sinners do or we've sat in the seat of judgment. Forgive us. That's for you to judge. Forgive us, Father, we... I'm thankful that you're patient and you're kind and you're loving. I praise you this morning that your heart isn't that we're perfect, but that we would just take care of the business, that when we fall down, we would come to you and help, allow you to help us get up that you'd clean us up. Thank you for the fact that, that, uh, that we have righteousness available to us because of you. In and of ourselves, we fall short. But because of what you did, Lord, for us on the cross and in your resurrection, we have life and freedom but we still gotta know you. Help us to know you. Help us to know what you require. Help, thank you for Psalm 1. As a guidepost to waken us up, examining our lives. Help us to do that more frequently. Help us to change the things that we, should, that we shouldn't be walking in or standing in or sitting on. We ask this in your precious name, Lord. Amen. This morning, I'd like to conclude this message with another Psalm of David. May you see the heart of God for us in this Psalm. If you follow along with me, Psalm 103 says this, praise the Lord, my soul. All my inmost being praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. 
he made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is the love is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it is gone and its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness, righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Amen.